Hello, and welcome back to the North Georgia Blue Podcast, produced and distributed by the Fannin County Democratic Party. I'm your host, Meryl Clark, and we're getting into some good trouble today with our guest, Ann Hickela, environmental advocate and activist with Georgia Forest Watch and Great Old Broads for Wilderness. I love that name. Welcome to the show, Ann. We're happy you're here. Oh, thank you so much, Meryl. Thank you for having me on. Well, let's let our listeners know a little bit about you. Anne grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area and earned her master's degree in speech pathology and audiology from University of California, Santa Barbara. A career move brought her to Atlanta in 1985, and she has resided in Georgia ever since. She and her husband raised their children in Forsyth County, Georgia, and in 2020 moved to Fannin County full-time. Well, welcome. We're thrilled to have you. Throughout her life, Anne has always been an outdoors person. So upon retirement, she became involved in several organizations dedicated to environmental protection. She is a past board co-chair of the Great Old Broads for Wilderness and the current board chair of Georgia Forest Watch. She and her husband and their five dogs live in Morganton, Georgia, where they enjoy hiking, paddling, and roaming around the National Forest. Well, this is wonderful, Anne. We're so thrilled to have you here with us. Tell us, how did you get involved with environmental advocacy? Well, it's interesting, Meryl. I was listening to your interview from your last week's podcast with Avi. What an impressive young man. Avi Diani, yes, he is. He was. And he spoke about getting politically active after the 2020 election. That got me thinking about it. And it was really after the 2016 election. I had already retired from my day job and was enjoying hiking and camping. But really, after the 2000 election, realized how important it was to get into environmental advocacy with facing the environmental threats that came with the Trump administration. Let's talk about that. Did Trump roll back some regulations, much like in the railroad industry, as we saw in Ohio, with the toxic leak? What happened to the EPA and environmental protection while Trump was in office? Oh, just things got rolled back. Regulations got rolled back. Things were done under presidential orders and just was a real setback. So it took all of us rising to the challenge because there is that force in the conservative movement that really views our public lands as the goods to be taken. For example, for extraction and mining, right? for our forests, for timbering. And they really look at what resources can we pull out of the land and how can we roll back regulations to benefit the big corporations and fossil fuel industry. Yes. And that's always been the Republican way. So not surprising. So for the edification of our listeners What is the definition of public lands? Good question, Meryl. Thanks. Because things get a little confusing. And in the broadest sense, I think REI explains it, public lands, is that that are open to the public and managed by the government. So there's three types, including federal, state, and local. Most of the time when we talk about federal lands, 
really talking about federally owned properties, and they're held in trust for all Americans. So our public lands are open to everybody. And the goal was to manage the land, both for the long-term health of the land and the citizens. They're protected by the different government agencies. So for example, our national forests here are protected by the United States Forest Service. Others, like the Smokies, are protected by the National Park Service. And in general, federally protected lands have the highest levels of protection and requires congressional approval for acquisition or sale of lands, environmental assessments for projects, and also public input on these types of projects. Can you elaborate a bit more on Georgia's public lands? Right. Georgia has a good bit of public lands. Our largest is the Chattahoochee-Oconee National Forest, which really encompasses all of North Georgia here and is made up of about 867,000 acres. In addition to that, we have 11 National Park Services, 14 wilderness areas. We have the National Seashores and then also the National Historic Trail, the AT running up. And this is just in Georgia. So this is just in Georgia. Right. And those are federally protected lands. Yes. Are there any state protected lands or is it all federal? Oh, no. We have a great state park system. And then even within the counties, we have local parks. The difference being is that the state and local parks and recreation aren't as heavily protected. So for example, the state could decide to do a big project and clear cut or develop a big area on our state park without input from anybody, without input from the public, without the okay from anybody, whereas you can't make those kind of changes on your federal parks or your federal protected lands. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. How has the GOP leadership over the past two decades in Georgia, how has that affected the management of the state protected lands or has it affected? I don't think it really has. Again, the organizations that I'm more involved with are national forests and are federally protected lands. And the Republicans would love to get their hands on more of our federal property. Have any Republicans on the federal level rolled back regulations or hurt the public lands in any way in our state? What they have done, and I won't say they hurt them yet, but it's something to keep an eye on. Gotcha. In the 2018 Farm Bill, they put in and got passed through the Farm Bill as an amendment to sell off portions of the national forest. Now, the theory being was they were going to sell isolated pockets of forest that were difficult to manage, and then those funds were used to pick up more forest land that was more contiguous with existing land. So our biggest threat right now in Georgia, what is trying to be pushed through is a project that's happening down in the Okefenokee swamp area. There is a mining project there that is attempting to operate an 8,000 acre heavy mineral sand mine right at the doorstep of the Okefenokee National Wildlife Refuge. Oh, no. Yeah. And how is that going to affect the refuge? Uh, There could be all kinds of environmental outcomes from that that are not good. So right now there's a bill 
that's in current legislator, HP 71, that we're encouraging people. It's right now in committee. We don't know if it's going to come out to the House floor or if it will make it in time for crossover day. In addition, it's the public comment period. So this is the time because it's public land and we are all invested and part owners in it. If you oppose the mining, which could have disastrous consequences for the refuge, you can let your opinions be known. All you need to do is Google Okefenokee Swamp. There's an Okefenokee Swamp Alliance. One of our biggest partners in the Southeast here is the Southern Environmental Law Center, and they've been very involved with this. Terrific. Well, I imagine there would be quite a threat to biodiversity and wildlife as well. Biodiversity, wildlife, soil water, mm-hmm. etc. Yeah, everything. And of course, all of these public lands are taxpayer funded. Hence your statement that we're all part owners. Yeah. And we all have a responsibility to make sure that these public lands are protected. There's no doubt about that. So that segues into my next question. Tell us about the greatest threats to our public lands. You had mentioned quite a few things pre-show, but tell us what you perceive to be the greatest threats and how we can address those threats. Right. Thanks, Meryl. The biggest threat is this mining to the Okefenokee. Again, the extraction. So please, anybody listening who's ever been to the swamp and knows what just a magical wild place this is, please look us up or submit a public comment into it. Probably the other threats to our land, obviously the biggest threat to the entire planet is climate change. Mm -hmm. And Georgia does not escape that, although we haven't had the fires, but we certainly have the rising seas. We all know we have been having torrential storms, and a lot of these are going to cause loss of biodiversity. So climate change, rising seas, the erosion in the forests, extraction, which is what you were talking about. Tell us about crowded recreation. What is that, and how does that affect the land? COVID was interesting because we experienced Loaded, as anybody who lives up in North Georgia knows, the use of our public lands just exploded during COVID. Mm-hmm. And we are, quote, loving our trails to death. And it's not just with COVID, but I think with the whole rise of social media, people post Instagrams, oh, here's my favorite trail, here's my favorite waterfall, and people are just flocking to get out on our trails. And they're overcrowded. And one of our main issues and problems, really, that we have up here, the Forest Service works really hard to manage this national forest. And it's a national forest for everybody. So they have to walk the tightrope between managing it for the hunters, for the backpackers, for the mountain bikers, and they are terribly underfunded. We have a handful of law enforcement officers, and we have very few funds to go towards road management and road improvement. And that's our biggest sedimentation. You think about it, every time somebody turns on their clean tap water in Atlanta, it's come straight out of our headwaters here in the National Forest. And the biggest source of our water right now is road sedimentation pouring into our streams. Tell us about road sedimentation, what that is and how that works. What it is, is that we all know about the Forest Service roads, that they're numbered and we can take our cars out and Jeeps and drive on them. It has become big recreation to find the roughest, bumpiest road and get these big Jeep caravans. 
And some of them are just tearing up our forest road and just dumping sediment into the stream. And the Forest Service is working hard along with the environmental groups to get better road maintenance and get a handle on the illegal motorized trails. How is the Biden administration dealing with this situation? The infrastructure bill is going to help, we hope. John Ossoff is trying to pass legislation. He's introduced a bill to get more funding to our forest lands and our federal public lands. So the Biden administration has been very environmentally friendly, I would say. Yes, which is a nice change. Yes. Oh, my goodness. From the previous administration. And hopefully that can keep moving forward. And you You had also mentioned law enforcement. How do they figure into the equation? We have a problem with keeping our federally protected lands, like the National Forest, the normal city and county police departments or police enforcement, sheriff's departments don't patrol the public lands. So our national forest is divided up into four ranger districts. They oftentimes depend on one law enforcement officer. So when there's issues of bad camper behavior or people doing violations. They just don't have the enforcement or the capability. And that's just a funding issue. And it's something that needs to be handled really up at the congressional level. Mm. They need to have more funding for our Forest Service. What do you think are the opportunities to get that passed in our current Congress with the Republicans having taken the House? Oh, (laughs) you know. We all have that reaction, man. Yes, I know. I know. I've been up to Washington several times, especially with the great old broads have been very politically active. And I've been on several lobbying trips over the years up with them trying to get legislation passed. But, you know, we face so many challenges today. Mm-hmm. I know. With gun violence and women's rights and everything. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's really tough. And it just seems like we take two steps forward and one step back pretty consistently. Again, listening to previous podcasts that you all have done so well, listening to the one with June about raising our voices and getting more people involved. And again, with the one last week about getting more of the Gen Z's involved, the young people are really motivated by climate change. Yes, yes. And they should be. It's their future. It's really their future. So I think that messaging around climate change and making them understand how it's affecting our forests, because it's not quite as much in our face as if we had the wildfires. Certainly we get some of the hurricanes, but not quite like Florida. The other thing is, I think, in looking forward and how we message, because the best way to protect our environment is having the right legislators, our environmentally friendly elected officials. When people ask what's the one most important thing they can do for our environment, it's vote, you know? Yes, please. Get out the vote, support your local political party. That's what's going to do it. In terms of our messaging, we also need to be better messaging and frame it, especially for these rural counties, because they see environmental or even our words matter. And if you're an environmentalist, you're a aging hippie tree hugger, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. I'll embrace that term. Why not? Which, you know, okay, I'll own some of that. Absolutely. But more importantly, I don't think we message enough about what an economic boost it is to our rural counties, the whole idea of recreation. Mm -hmm. We have looked at our national forests as areas to timber. In fact, our national forest is under the Department of Agriculture and not Department of Interior. Because when it was set up, our forests were seen as commodities. Let's see what we can do about our trees. When in reality, our Georgia outdoor industry, much of it on public lands, whether you're talking about the sea, the seashore and our beaches or the national forest, mm -hmm. the outdoor industry contributes billions to the Georgia economy. Billions with a B. More than the film industry, more than the auto industry. And I just don't think we drive home that message enough, how many jobs are provided in these rural counties. And the more we can protect and promote recreation, even though I know, as I said, we're kind of loving our trails to death. There are things we can do if we had more funds in terms of building different trails and trail maintenance. But if we treat our forests more as an economic driver, and there's so many other benefits. Oh, definitely. And certainly up here in North Georgia, and in Fanning County in particular, tourism. Tourism is huge, as you know, and tourism is driven in large part by the fact that it's so beautiful up here and that we have so much forest land, correct? Yeah, oh, absolutely. We have between 40 and 45 percent national forest right here in Fannin County. It's gorgeous. I didn't know it was that high. Wow. Yeah, it's that high. Raven's even higher. I think they're closer to 70%. But the shoreline of Lake Nautilus is something like 65 to 75% national forest. Yes, it's gorgeous. Yes. Yeah. And it's these protections in these woods that are going to protect biodiversity and vulnerable wildlife, as well as provide our clean air and water. And it's so important. It really is for our future, our planet's future, our children's future. And I just wish that more people realize that and would get involved. So we're very happy that you're here with your group. So can you provide a list of your favorite conservation organizations in our state, what they do and why they're so important? Oh, how much time do we have, Meryl? <laughs> my favorite ones? Oh my goodness, don't make me pick my favorites. Well, I'll start off with the two that I've been the most involved with. There you go. I started off with Great Old Broads for Wilderness just because I wanted to get involved environmentally and I just love this group and I love their humor. They're a national organization that operates different chapters. So we had a chapter here for a couple years. It's kind of gone inactive, but we have somebody who's just attending training next month, Jean, who will be starting up a new chapter. And they really drive home the message of protecting our public lands along with humor and having fun and stewardship. I got involved with Georgia Forest Watch shortly afterwards because they were the group who were really doing boots on the ground in our forest, going out, looking at these forest service projects, working in conjunction with their partners and SELC, our Southern Environmental Law Center, to object when the Forest Service or one of their contractors were out of compliance. And I live in the middle of the forest now, not the national forest, but I just have a love for the forest. So those are two. 
I've mentioned the Southern Environmental Law Center several times. They're a really important player in the Southeast region here. 100 Miles is doing great work down in the coastal area. North Georgia Conservation Coalition, I think you've had Betty Holland on before. Yes, Dr. Betty Holland, she is one of our favorites. Yes, she is one of our favorites. In fact, she sponsors and puts on a big Earth Day celebration on Earth Day, so that's coming up. Sierra Club, Chattahoochee River Keepers, our group of water keepers are a great group and they do really important, really hard work. And boy, that's just a few, Mara. I could go on and on. <laughs> oh, there are so many dedicated people that are working toward environmental conservation. Yes. Thank goodness. For all of you, do you work with a friend of the show that we've had on here before on the podcast, Daniel Blackman with the EPA? Do you work with him at all? Yes, I just met Daniel. Isn't he delightful? Yes, he is. And we're hoping to do some work with him and get him involved in some upcoming programs. And that's the other thing I really wanted to bring out, that you don't have to be able to hike 10 miles in a day or an avid fisherman to be active. A lot of our groups, I know, especially like at Forest Watch, we're doing activities to appeal to a lot of our membership who can't get out and hike or who aren't in the forest. We're starting a book club. We had an outing down to the Funk Heritage Museum down on Reinhardt College, which highlights the Trail of Tears and has a really magnificent exhibit on Oh, that. that's terrific. I didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. That was a great one. And that's the other thing. We're looking at working with the tribes because those of us who live up here in North Georgia, we're on Cherokee and Creek ancestral lands. And it's important to honor and protect these these areas. Absolutely. Especially considering our past history. We've already contacted the Forest Service and working to get the name of one of my very favorite parks in the National Forest is Lake Winfield Scott. And General Winfield Scott was the general who was head of the whole roundup for the Trails of Tears. Wow. And he got a nice national park named after him. So we're looking at seeing what it's going to take to get that renamed. Oh, that would be tremendous. Yeah. I'd love to see that happen. So if any of our listeners want to help or get involved to protect Georgia's wild places, tell us what they can do. Number one, vote and get our pro-environment candidates in. Support your local and county political parties. And then join up with an organization. Find your passion. If it's environmentalism, there's certainly so many different organizations to find a good fit with. And you can get out and support. We all for the most part, have outings and educational. And obviously, we all support with volunteer opportunities as well as donations. And you had mentioned guided hikes, paddles, and stewardship opportunities. Can you tell us more about those? Sure. If you look at any of our websites, like Georgia Forest Watch is G-A-F-W, Dot org And we have a variety of outings every month. And if you just go on our website, they're listed. And we're just having a new outreach coordinator starting next Monday. So we'll be ramping those up even more. And I know most of the groups as well do other outings, Sierra Club, the Nature Conservancy, etc. Mm-hmm. Do you work with those other clubs as well? 
Is there a lot of interaction? There is, Meryl. We try to partner with everybody who is looking to do the work. When we all raise our voices up, we're stronger. Stronger together. Stronger together. Absolutely. My favorite quote, and I think it's not as much a quote as a proverb. I think it's an old African proverb. It says, when you want to go fast, go alone. When you want to go far, go together. I love that. That's a great proverb. Well, you had mentioned Georgia Forest Watch and their website. Tell us about Great Old Broads. What is your website address? And I just want to make it clear that Great Old Broads is open to everyone. Yep. <laughs> Not everyone who's great or old necessarily, but tell us that website and how folks can get involved. Thank you. That's great old broads, one word with an S dot org. And that's going to take you to the national office, which is based in Durango, Colorado. And then they have the different, we call them broadbands, but they're in a sense chapters. And each one is a little bit different geographically based. We have not had many in the Southeast, so we are just getting one started. So look for that. And we'll be having hikes and different outings as well, as they also have larger national group camping. One of my favorite outings with them was I went out camping up in the Sawtooth Mountains of Idaho, and it was a whole outing around wolf conservation. And we got to get up in the morning at 5.30 or 6 a.m. and go out howling for wolf pups. Oh my goodness, did you find any? No, we did hear a wolf howl during the night, but none howled back at us in the morning. But it was still just a way cool experience. And they do these big national trips built around a certain issue like wolf conservation, climate change. For example, they might come down to the Okefenokee and do one. That's just an example. I don't know if we're planning that or not. but That's fantastic. I love that. But fun. Well, Anne, since you've listened to our podcast, you know this is coming. <laughs> Tell us a fun fact about yourself, something not necessarily related to your work or activism. Tell us something interesting just about Anne. Well, let's see. When I am not out in the woods or in my kayak, you can usually find me in my art studio. <gasps> So I'm an artist and primarily I work in glass. Currently, I'm working in large stained glass panels and I doodle around with watercolors and photography and metal smithing, but glass is really my first medium of choice. That's so creative. Do you sell your work or is it just for yourself? I have in different shops. I've kind of pulled back. I put all my stained glass stuff away when my kids were little just because of the lead and sharp things. So so I've pulled back and just getting my skills back up to par on that and then hope to do some architectural work with that. Fantastic. Well, I hope to get to see some of your work very soon since oh, thank you. we're both in the same area. Well, thank you, Anne, for joining us today and sharing more about your critical work to advance environmental activism goals and policy. I'm Meryl Clark, and on behalf of our team, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to the North Georgia Blue podcast. Join us next time when we chat with 
Brian DiNapoli, co-founder of NoLabels.org, dedicated to the enduring belief that we must overcome our partisan divide and work together for the good of the country. To learn more about us and the work that we're doing, visit us online at FannonCountyGeorgiaDemocrats.com. Share the North Georgia Blue podcast with your friends and family. Be sure to subscribe and follow. And if you enjoy our podcast, be a founding patron and friend of the show at NorthGeorgiaBluePodcast.com slash patron with three different giving levels to choose from, offering cool swag, recognition on the show and website, and valuable gift cards to help us continue getting into more good trouble. 